Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale. And hey, it's been a couple weeks since we put an episode out. I think about a week and a half or two. Um, I've actually had these conversations recorded now for the past month or two months. And today's conversation, I'm talking with Chris and Frank from Crust out in Rome, New York. Um, but, you know, things have just gotten so busy, and that's great. Uh, I love being busy. One thing that I've learned about, I've just learned over the last year and a half and being in food service and, and being a business owner is um, don't, when you're when it's busy season and things are going well, do not assume it's going to be that way forever because it's probably going to stop in a couple months and um, embrace busy season and take advantage of it as much as you possibly can. You know, a great analogy actually I have for that besides the one that I just gave is we were at Taste of Syracuse with 3-1 Fried. We had a good event, made some money off of it. Um, Taste of Syracuse is really a, a really wonderful event that Galaxy puts on here for the city every year. In this, not for the city, they're making a ton of money, so in the city. Um, they say that they get like between 100 to 200,000 people there. I don't know if that's true or not. There's definitely a lot of people there. Is it 100,000? I'm not sure. Does it matter? Probably not. Because restaurants and businesses that show up there make money, and that's important for us. Anyways, we had a great event, but um, one of the things that really I think made a, help us helped us to be a little bit more successful is taking advantage of capturing as much business as you can during the business the busy hours. We were really busy each night from like five until nine or four until eight. And if you don't have four people up on the front taking orders, you don't capture as much as that of that business. I know this is a, this is Harvard Business School level information I'm giving you right now. Uh, that's a that's a joke, but that's one thing that we we sat back at the end of it and we said we had like we had one guy on Fryer, um, we had myself. And one other, we had myself making sandwiches and all the fries were through and fried. We'd do a co-tent um, with Limp Lizard and Walking Tacos. We had one person making Walking Tacos. And then we had four people taking orders and handling the cash. And that's the important part because you don't get bottlenecked that way. Anyways, that's what I'm learning here with Eat Local New York. And, and as our business is growing and developing, I'm learning that even for me, there's busy seasons, and we're in a busy season right now, and I need to take advantage of that as much as possible and make sure that I am available to, 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 to those clients, to those customers. And so that's what we're doing. And so because of that, we had a week or two off of the podcast. My apologies. But we're back. I'm probably going to release – we've got three or four episodes in the bag. I'm probably going to release those fairly quickly and then get into some new interviews. Um, you know, lots happening in the food scene here in Syracuse. I can't talk about it. You know, it's the challenge. I think I feel like if I were a, a reporter, if I worked at Eater, something like that, then I would be putting out all of this privileged information that I get from the food scene and the landscape here in Syracuse. But I, you know, I know these people, so I don't really want to get out there and blast out the spill the details on the information that they're telling me while over, you know, a beer or a bourbon. And so I'm not going to, but I will just say this. 
Um, definitely a big change is coming to the Syracuse food scene in the next you know week or two. It's going to be announced. Uh, my wife and I just went there and had what will most likely be our final meal there. And it's my favorite restaurant in Syracuse. I'm so incredibly bummed that they're uh, leaving, but I understand why. And the analogy is my wife and I were sitting there. We had our first date night out since the baby came along. And as we're sitting there having dinner and it, everything was just exceptional, I, I said to her, it's kind of like you're like, you know, you're breaking up with your girlfriend or, you know, you're getting dumped. And, but they're like, let's have sex one more time. <laughs> like this is the last time, but let's do it one more time. That's how that dinner felt because it's like, I know they're closing, but let's go out. Let's, let's go out with a bang. And, uh, anyway, so, um, and then I've heard some other information from a restaurant owner who was considering a move and it, the things that I think concern me the most about our food scene in Syracuse, which I do love and appreciate, um, is that we can't, it feels like we can't keep exceptional talent. Um, and for those of you who are listening who are like, Hey, fuck you. I've been in Syracuse cooking for the last 20 years. I can cook. Uh, I'm talented. That, that's true. But I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about restaurants, not necessarily just staff, but restaurants that are like pushing the boundaries that are doing an elevated dining experience, not fine dining, but closer to it. And who are making food that's, that's at, at that level and on par with other major cities, you know, especially other made like New York city, like other, you know, cuisine on that level. Now, this is a longer intro than I planned. Um, is Syracuse ever going to compete with New York City in terms of its anything food-related? No, it's not. It shouldn't. It's never going to. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, we're never going to... Syracuse is never going to be on the Michelin radar. The Finger Lake region may, but Syracuse is not. And... Um, yeah, that's just not going to happen. So with that, in that regard, we're never going to compete with New York City. Just leave it at that. It's not going to happen. Um, but my fear is that we're never going to have anything that could even closely resemble that. Like, are, are we going to attract the chef from New York City who moves to Syracuse and does something exceptional? Uh, don't get me wrong. Jared is the obvious person uh, that is the exactly uh, personifies everything that I just described. And I pray to God that St. Urban stays here for all of my days uh, in Syracuse. But I, I wonder, can we, we're losing the other versions of St. Urban and Syracuse. And I wonder if our city can sustain them coming back. I just spent the last, three minutes skating around something I wasn't supposed to say, and I'm not going to say it, and it probably doesn't make any sense, but there it is. Maybe we'll talk about it more when the news comes out, and I can talk about it in full detail. Uh, having said that, I love having Chris and Frank on. You know, They're making sandwiches in Rome that I would kill to have here in Syracuse. Um, decades of restaurant tours and business owners in their blood. And these two guys have 
you know, I don't know exactly how long Crust has been open, but Nicole and I first found out. I've, I've seen them on social, but I never, like, really did anything more than just, like, oh, I think I've seen that logo. And a few months back when we were first, when Nicole first started coming on board here at Eat Local, and I was like, hey, let's start putting out a ton of video content. Nicole reached out to them, and so we went out and did some videos, and I was shocked and surprised at how wonderful everything was because I didn't know... I'm not as in tune to the food scene in Utica and Rome as obviously I am here in Syracuse. And to to go out to Rome and see this new kind of developing area with the Griffiths Business Park uh, popping up, which is really, really cool. And then to go into Crust and see, A, this like um, wonderful bourbon um, collection that they have available that's also... Um, not crazy over, it's not, you know, you go into some places and you see some of the bourbons that they have and you're, you know, it's like a quarter of your paycheck to try and get a pour. Um, and they're not doing that at crust, which is amazing. Um, and they've got bottles on their shelf that I'm envious of. And then I sit down and they bring out this food and it's all wonderful. <laughs> Everything's delicious and great. And I'm just like blown away. And their hot tomato oil, phenomenal. And their sandwiches, phenomenal. And the bread they use in the sandwiches, phenomenal. And their pickles, don't even get me fucking started on the pickles and how good those are. Um, it just, I was absolutely floored at, at what I was experiencing. A, a place in, in just short drive away in Rome that is doing things that I would... I would just absolutely murder to see in Syracuse. Someone could open up a version of crust in Syracuse would like make my year. Um, anyways, but luckily we can just drive a short distance away and get it there in Rome. So having said that, um, shortly after that, I think is when we reached out to have him on the podcast, the guys were beyond generous, beyond, beyond, beyond generous, <clears throat> brought me a jar of the pickles, which, I'm happy to say we just finished at the house. Uh, absolutely just this weirdly crisp yet also refreshing pickle. I, I, I can't explain. I've never had a pickle that was like refreshing like this. Fresh, refreshing, crisp. Just I absolutely love these pickles that they make in-house. And then they brought me a bottle of Blanton's bourbon, which, I mean, you know, yeah. Absolutely love that. Anyways, um, special shout out to these guys for coming on the podcast. Episodes when we do three or two guests are always a little tricky for um, the camera angles. Not that you're going to be watching the camera angle, but if you do decide to go to our website or YouTube channel and watch this episode, that's why it's a little tricky when you have two people. But since we recorded this podcast, we bought another camera, so we've, we'll be solving that issue. Um, anyways, I'm going to stop talking. This is a really long intro. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. More importantly, I hope that you get in your car and drive to Rome and visit the guys out at Crust. Well, without further ado, let's get into this week's podcast. It's my conversation with Frank and Chris from Crust. Let's jump into Suburban. Um, Blue Note. Yeah, so what made you guys want, like, I mean, 
What made you want to have such an impressive bourbon collection in the restaurant? Like it, we really just like bourbon. Yeah. It, it actually started as like, it wasn't even us. Like we wanted to do, um, we wanted to do the sandwich concept and we had a real estate agent that's a friend of ours. Um, she, her, her and her husband and two other people actually own um, Copper City Brewery. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and she was the commercial um, real estate agent for the buildings when we first got there. Okay. And she wanted, she was doing some interview and she was like, yeah, there's going to be this lo- these local guys are opening this restaurant. It's going to have soup, salad, sandwiches. And she's like, and they're going to have a bourbon bar. <laughs> well, then it like exploded that like there was going to be a bourbon bar. And I'm Everybody like, but he was asking us about the bourbon bar, the bourbon. I'm like, I looked at him, I go, I guess, guess we're having a bourbon bar then. I, we plan on having a pretty wide selection anyways, but yeah. hey, you know. That's yeah. We were going to have, like, more than usual. Yeah. But then we kind of just ran with it. and People were talking about the bourbon more than the food. I mean, we had no opening yeah. obviously. But. That's wild. Well, cheers. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. So... One of the things I didn't, I never really cared for about this bourbon is because it is so sweet. Yeah. You know? Nope. Um, to me, it just had like this kind of, I don't know, if it, it has like a thicker mouthfeel, I think, than most bourbons, which I wasn't a huge fan of at first. I mean. See, my, because it's such a heavy proof, mm-hmm. I think it needs to be that sweet. Yeah. Because it would just burn. It would just burn the hell out of you. Yeah. yeah. Right now sense. it's warming you up. But. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so I bought this. This was the first. So the Syracuse Bourbon Society is like a Facebook group and, and uh, well, you know, more than a Facebook group. But um, they do barrel picks all the time with like different distilleries and local uh, liquor stores. They partner with like a different liquor store each time. So this was one of theirs that they did with Pascal's. And uh, so that was the first barrel pick of theirs that I bought. Um. I yeah. actually really like it. Yeah. Um, I haven't found, I haven't used it in any drink. So usually, like, I'll try to go straight with a bourbon at first. And then, um, and then from there, I'll kind of like put it into an old fashioned or, yeah. you know, into a Manhattan, kind of see what it does. Um, I didn't do anything with this. I don't know why there's so much of it gone. <laughs> I don't remember drinking all that much. <laughs> well, it's 120 something proof. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I shouldn't. Yeah, this King Mayhem Rye is um, 106 or 108 proof from Old Home, and it's like a very rare like uh, uh, bottle that they produce. They only do I think 40 or 50 of them oh. uh, in a batch. And um, uh, I, I so I saw that they posted that, and I ran and bought, bought it at Christmas. And I was sampling it at like seven in the morning at the regional market. I was like, he was like, here, try it. And I like, you know, <laughs> took a swig of it. I was like, holy shit, that's strong for seven in the morning. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty good. But too. nine in the morning. Yeah, but nine in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Nine in the morning and go 120 or whatever the hell that was, 123. Yeah. See, this, I would think, I would put it, if I was drinking this at home, I'd have a little bit of ice just to kind yeah. of open it up, cut through the sweetness and the. Yeah. That's. I don't but know. I, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is a cold winter day. Yeah. Nine in the morning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what better reason than to, you know, be on a podcast and drink some hard bourbon first thing in the morning. <laughs> so how long have you all been open out in Rome? A little over a year and a half. September 21st, 2021. 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I know, I know a little bit of the backstory from when we were there uh, eating food, uh, what, a month and a half ago or so? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, tell me, you know, how did you all get started? What made you want to open that restaurant? <laughs> That's a great story. It is a great story. So we um, worked for my, he, Frank has worked for my family for like 20 plus years. Yeah. Um, they own the beaches in the Savoy in Rome. Okay. Um, I went and was working at the Savoy. I was assistant GM, just doing whatever needed to be done. Um, the GM left, gave us like a week notice. <laughs> um, my uncles came to me and were like, so are you ready to do it? I'm like, do I have a choice? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so it's a very, it was a very old school restaurant mm-hmm. and mindset and just everyone there, it was really hard to change hmm. anything. But I tried. And then finally, um, the beaches closed, and Frank decided to stick around, and he came <laughs> over and helped. So um, Was the beaches the big catering space? The event center. Yeah. Event yeah. center, yeah. Yeah, north, north of the Savoy, North Rome. Yeah, okay. Um, That's like the back way that we'll take when we're coming back from Boonville sometimes, and we would always drive by it. And Is, it, is that the place that has like the big stone... Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really cool looking facility. Yeah, I'm actually getting married there now. Amazing. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty wild. Does your family still own it? No, they okay. sold it. Okay, but um, yeah, I'm getting married there. We're gonna be the first wedding. Oh wow! Completely renovated. The place is wild looking now. That's cool. We I brought, mean, the, we brought Frank through it. Yeah, the historical part is still historical, but it's just wild uh, what they've done with the rest of the place. Yeah, mm. pretty exciting. Yeah. There's not too many places like that out in Rome, are there? Like, like no, no, yeah. not, especially not that can hold the capacity that they'll be able to do. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so we uh, we got together and we were running the Savoy, and um, me and him kept kind of talking about what we'd like mm-hmm. to see if we were going to open something. It was just like joking around, like venting. Like, it yeah, we were just like <laughs> venting. We'd just you know have a bourbon and be chatting and stuff, and um, we kind of came across the conclusion like we travel outside of Rome a lot to go get some specific foods, you mm-hmm. know, like sandwiches or, you know, anything cool. And um, then we started just tossing, hey, wouldn't a sandwich be cool if I had this? And then somehow we just mm-hmm. kept rolling with it. Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, um, <laughs> we, uh, well, I guess this is where you come in. We He co- he comes, I come in one day and he's like, hey, I got to take off for a little while. I'm like, okay. And he didn't say anything to me and just left. <laughs> and then he came back and he's not talking to me and he's acting weird and I'm like what's going on with you what was the secret <laughs> meeting about and uh eventually he was like so um you know that restaurant we've been talking about would be cool to open like, yeah like, would you actually want to do that I'm like yes let's let's do it so we kind of kicked so, yeah. off that way pretty That's much <laughs> so that meeting was the developer of where we where we are okay um and there was originally supposed to be another restaurant there in the same unit that we were in yeah and they kind of dragged on the developer for a while. Okay. And so finally I was like, listen, I'm like, we're ready to jump. Hmm. Like we have everything in order. We're ready to go. We have our concept. We have our business plan. Because they, they make you do so much there just hmm. to even rent a space. Oh, really? Like you have to prove like you're going to be successful hmm. or at least fake it well <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, so that's we had everything ready. And finally she called me. Um, like the day after my birthday in 2021 hmm. or 2020. Yeah. 
and was like, you want to do it? That's it's wild. yours if you want to. I'm like, yep, mm. let's go. That's great. So, yeah, a lot of bourbon, a lot of venting and bitching about everything else and <laughs> the restaurant. And then we said, hey, you know what? It's in the middle of a pandemic. Why don't we go yeah, to the restaurant? That was the other <laughs> then the pandemic happened. Yeah. It's like you kind of just had to close your eyes and plug your ears and just keep going because at that point we the were... papers were already signed. Yeah. We, were, we were stuck either way, so <laughs> might as well wild. see it through. That's crazy. Yeah. And uh, so... I mean, I, I get that. Like, we were, you know, um, even with the restaurant that I'm a partner in now, which I enjoy, but there's so many things that if I had, like, control of that, I would do differently. And even, like, when we were out in Rochester yesterday, there's a place called Chicken Out, and uh, they opened during the pandemic. I think they just they were, were just doing pop-ups for a while, but they were just exploding on social media, did a really great job with it, great product. Um, but everything is coordinated. You know, like uh, everything, it reminds me of your place, like everything fits the, fits the theme and makes sense and everything's branded and all that kind of stuff. And, and we were out there yesterday and I was like, oh, I was like, so this is what a really successful chicken sandwich restaurant would look like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is how it's done. Um, yeah. So I get that. It's, uh, I mean, you guys have been in the industry for a while. I grew up in it. Same. Did too. <laughs> it was, yeah. So you're, wasn't a choice. So it's not. It's, it wasn't probably too much of a shock to you to realize that uh, owning your own restaurant can suck. Oh yeah, <laughs> we knew what we were getting ourselves into for sure. Yeah, and it's got its ups and downs, you know. Yeah, stresses are different, different jobs, I guess. But a lot less stressful. It's a different stress, different now. type of stress. Yeah, right? like I'd say the biggest thing though is uh, our ability to just do whatever we want. Yeah, you know, be able to be as creative as we want and call things whatever we want. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean that was a big part of it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's um, so. What were like some of the first? I mean, it, it's got to be interesting going from having as much experience as you do to then being an owner. So, what were like some of those? What were the first surprises when you got the restaurant opened? HVAC. HVAC is really expensive. <laughs> yeah, especially for a restaurant. Yeah, it is. That has four <laughs> stories. That that has to oh, go. Yeah. Like, if you open a restaurant, my biggest advice would be find something on um, the ground level mm -hmm. that doesn't have anything <laughs> above it, and you can either go through a wall or straight up. Yeah. That will save you a lot of money. Because your vent <laughs> has to go all the way up through the top? All the yeah. way up. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. That is wild. Is it just because the kitchen wall is, is like, landlocked? Is that what it is? No. The developers wouldn't let us do anything out the side of the building. Oh, man. Because above well, it is all balconies. Yeah, there's and, all balconies and yeah. stuff. Oh, so. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So that, was be, that would be my number one advice to people <laughs> opening a it's restaurant. It's kind of silly that that's the one thing that both popped into both our heads at first, but, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a story. I know that he's not ever going to listen to this episode because I, I don't think he knows that the podcast exists. But years ago, um, uh, maybe three, four years ago, there was a guy that opened up, which what I think is probably the worst food business that you could open up in central New York, and that is frozen yogurt. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and so so this guy opened up, bought a Froyo thing, or opened a Froyo thing in Westcott, and, uh, you know, up in, which is like university prime area here in Syracuse, <laughs> and opened up a Froyo shop and was like immediately dying and wasn't doing well at all. And so he kept like scrambling, trying to think of different things to add. So it, it for a while there, and it kind of still does have that vibe, but it was like one of those restaurants where you walk in and you can tell like they'd never figured it out. They just kept adding all these different things. Yeah. Um, which reminds me, that although I do have to check them out, I heard they have great tacos, but there's a place they just opened in 
Oswego that's an acai and taco truck. <laughs> so, oh. huh. uh, which to me says disaster. Uh, n- neither that's one of those things are going to be good, but I don't that's know. It's a lot of s- different ingredients. That's a lot yeah. of different things. Yeah. <laughs> the, some you have to keep hot and some you have to keep cold. Yeah. And they're in they're in one of those shipping container food truck things. So, okay. uh, but anyways, so this guy in Westcott, um, he decided to partner. He was trying to figure out what to do. I was trying to help him a little bit, and then he wound up partnering with Just Donuts, which is an old donut shop from Phoenix, New York. And she did like the crazy, you know, cereal donuts and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So he said he was like, uh, "She's going to come in. She's going to take half the counter space. I'll take the other half, and she's going to do donuts, and I'll drive in so many customers." that then we'll hear about my frozen yogurt and maybe come back and get it, right? Dumb idea. Uh, anyways, he had to put a vent in. And so uh, he didn't have your issue where he had to go up a bunch of floors, but he had to, and the wall, the exterior wall was right there. So it was a perfect situation, except for the fact that there was a, Westcott is like this really culturally diverse area and it's like the artsy area of Syracuse. And so on the outside of the wall, there was this mural that was painted mm. that... <laughs> <laughs> the artist had died like the year prior. It was like oh. this lifelong Westcott resident. Yeah. Everybody loved him. He died the year prior. If you did it, you would make a lot of people unhappy. <laughs> yeah, and so he did it. He, oh. he punched the wall. <laughs> oh, all right. Punched the hole for the for the vent right where like this person's face was in the oh mirror. <laughs> so you see like this body and neck and where the head was now oh. is this vent. And um, this, I mean, he got destroyed on the internet because of, you know. This whole story is just a train wreck. Yes, <laughs> yes. One woman said on Facebook, I'll never forget this, that it felt, she said, every time I walk past it now, it feels like the artist, let's say his name is Dan. Every time I walk past it, I feel like Dan dies again. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, you probably don't want to, like, your your main source of revenue is your your uh, local customers and then you pissed them all right. off. Right, <laughs> yeah. And you murdered their best friend. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about our podcast sponsor this week and that's Brown Carbonic. I love working with the Brown Carbonic. Sean reached out months ago when we put the word out that we were looking for sponsors and immediately jumped on and said, I'm a listener. Most of my customers you've had on as guests, I want to support this. And it's just, it's been a great relationship ever since then. Brown Carbonic is a family owned and operated multi-generational business here in Syracuse, New York, that's providing so much to the food and beverage industry, specifically For you craft breweries out there and anybody with a draft beer system, they're offering and providing the CO2 and nitrogen that you need for your draft beer systems. And for those restaurants that are listening, if you don't have a draft beer system or you don't need those things, they offer a wide array of different products and services. But one of the really big things that they offer is Challenger Cola and their craft beverages. And it's a great way, you know, everybody says, well, I'm I'm, I'm stuck. I have Coke or Pepsi, but it's not true with With Brown Carbonic, you have Challenger Cola, which is an exceptional local product that you can use to not only help you save money, but support local. You know, especially here at the Local New York Podcast, we're all about supporting local businesses. And I hope you you are too, as restaurant owners listening to this. So if you'd like more information, reach out to Sean at 315-454-3591. Make sure that you say that you heard about him right here on the Eat Local New York Podcast. And now... Back to the episode. Yeah, so uh, so sometimes going through four stories is better. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so, of the story. Is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that before from people who are in that, like, a similar situation. Like, 
you know, the the cost as you have to go up every floor just increases and increases. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so what was that like when you were getting, like, that was obviously a shock before you opened, you know? I yeah. Mean, probably a big, big punch in the face it was on that a, one. It was a very big punch in the face. Um, but then, I mean, once it was over, it's not an issue anymore. Yeah. Um, we luckily don't really have much that um, makes it dirty. We only really have two fryers and then everything else mm-hmm. is ovens. Um, so it doesn't get dirty. It doesn't. Yeah. It's bad. Right. Um, but the next thing I think is like the bar. Mm. Yeah. We definitely should have had some professional um, set up the bar. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my next. I hate to say it was almost an afterthought. I mean, not we, we had the idea of what we wanted it to look like, but as far as functionality, oh, yeah. I would obviously change many things. Every, I mean, I everything. bartended for many years and yeah. I should know better. And, you know, yeah. the bar places. top is like the only thing that worked out the way I wanted it to, mm. but it probably needed to be a little bigger, okay. wider. But yeah, no, we, uh, we screwed the bar up. It's very small. <laughs> it's cool looking. Um, yeah, it is. You know, we just, we, uh, it's actually maybe a good thing because Chris doesn't have any more room to keep buying more bourbon. <laughs> we've already filled up all the shelves, the cage in the back, and then we've got some other special ones hidden. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Do you find that you get a lot of people that are coming in that know, I mean, there's not many places around here. I mean, I know of like maybe three in Syracuse that have like a, a an exceptional bourbon collection. Um, or offer it. And, um, and so do you find that like you get a lot of people that come in knowing what you have? Yeah. And I, I think, so my whole philosophy on the bourbon was I hated, um, when you'd go somewhere and they'd have a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle and it was like $50 for a one ounce pour. Yeah. And it's like, come on, like that bottle maximum was like 150. Yeah. So you're getting in three one ounce pours, you're getting your money back for the bottle. <laughs> yeah, they're charging you based off secondary yeah. prices. Yeah, they're for they're it. charging yeah. you based off of secondary prices. How hard it is to get. Um, I personally like hated everything about it, especially because um, when I was trying to get Pappy Van Winkle, mm-hmm. it was impossible. And no matter what I did, I just couldn't get it. But mm-hmm. last year, I finally got it, and I had complained to all my liquor reps. I'm like, if I ever get Pappy Van Winkle. I'm going to put it on the shelf. I'm going to sell it the same way I mark everything else up. Mm. I'm not going to price it based on how hard it is to get. Yeah. So I did. Mm. And within a week, it was gone. (laughs) It worked. All three bottles. All three bottles. But I will say the really awesome part was the amount of people that that did come in. Like the first first day. The first day, the entire bar was Everybody And everybody came in like... Like politely sat down, everybody was quiet waiting for the bourbon to start, you know? <laughs> like oddly I, enough, everybody was drinking like coronas yeah. or something. Everybody for some reason I walked out, everybody had a corona. I'm like, What's It was going so on? funny. Everyone like everyone got I put on Facebook or in Instagram, like, um, we got Pappy. Five o'clock Wednesday, hmm. we're gonna release it and let people try it. I'm like, it's a one ounce pour. Hmm. I think I sold the ten year for like thirteen, hmm. the wow. twelve year for 15, 15. and mm. then the 15, I think I did 25, Damn. 20 or 25. That's crazy. They were all one ounce pours, but you can only get it w- once per day, each one once mm. per day. Wow. So I didn't have someone sitting there drinking the entire bottle. And yeah. Like I wanted people to be able to try it. Like, right. Because it was always like that unattainable thing for me. Yeah. So it worked. I mean, we went through the all three bottles in like a week. That's awesome. 
Yeah. We had like some people that appreciated it. Like people were bringing gifts in. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> some guy brought in like uh, sample bottles from some stuff he had at his house, like some, yeah. some of his collection. <laughs> that's really cool. I feel, uh, you know, the more I get into the bourbon, you know, community and like the smaller communities, the more I see people are very like uh, freely giving in that, in that space. You know, it's not often that you find, the only thing that they really are still tight lipped on for the most part is where they're finding their bottles, if they're getting them on shelves at retail. Yeah. Um, you know, or not at like inflated prices. That's the only thing that people are really tight-lipped on still. Uh, but even that's changing. It's harder and harder to find, you know, those exceptional bottles that are at retail on a shelf. Um, you know, Nick, if you're listening to this podcast, I know you know what I did, but please don't judge me for this. But <laughs> at, uh, at New- I, I wasn't going to get anywhere near the, because uh, Pascal's does like a membership. Yeah. So, you know, every, you know, every any liquor you purchase throughout the quarter, you get points, and whoever has the most points gets first dibs on their allocated so then they'll just go down the list and call you like, hey, you're number three. This is what we have. Do you want anything? I knew I wasn't anywhere as close to getting, you know, because like I think the top tier was like 15,000 points, you know, and I was at like 100. Um, <laughs> so I decided to buy all of his employees pizza on New Year's Eve, you know, and I had I had lunch sent to the whole staff. Grease the wheels. <laughs> I knew it was going to be like their craziest day of the year. So Listen, our business is 100% a relationship. Yeah. It's a relationship with your customers. It's a relationship with um, your vendors. Yeah. It, it's, that's how it works. Yeah. And that's what I love most about it is you make relationships. People always think of you. They come mm-hmm. back. They, you, you do well by others. They do well by you. It's yeah. That's something I learned a couple, like two or three years ago, or maybe two years ago, and even doing local New York is like so much of it is relationships that it's really easy to tarnish like your perception in that those relationships, you know? Yeah. Um, and especially then when you get into like working or owning or running a restaurant, like if you're hiring somebody else, you know, all that kind of stuff, it's really amazing the things, the decisions you have to make on based on the relationship, even if it's going to help your business. Yeah. I, I would say that's probably one of the hardest things we have to do, especially in Rome. It, I mean, we, I don't get restaurants that hate other restaurants. I, I don't, yeah. I don't understand that mentality because should all be working together. There's mm-hmm. always been a scenario where like I've needed something and I've reached out to another restaurant owner that I know and yeah. either they've got it for gotten it for me or done something and I've always reciprocated. I'm like, hmm. we need to work together. Yeah. <laughs> There's way too many factors that affect everything we do. Yeah. Do you have a lot of that like uh camaraderie in like the Rome Utica area yeah. with the restaurants? I I can speak to Rome. Yeah. Um I mean we know a few people in Utica that own restaurants or work in restaurants, but Rome I have a pretty good we have a pretty good relationship with anybody. Yeah, I mean Yeah. Yeah. The Syracuse uh, lullaby, we call it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's interesting. There's, I feel like, uh, well, that's interesting. I, I always, I mean, I'm sure you all hate this, but I always lump Utica. It's like Utica, Rome. You know, it's fair. <laughs> we get it. Yeah, we won't hold it against you. <laughs> what are the besides yourself? What are the exceptional restaurants out there? I mean, I know of a few, but like, what is the what is the status of the food scene out in the that whole you know general area? Depends what you're looking at, like a progressive stuff, you know. I'd say we're definitely the most progressive, and mm-hmm. like, at least in Rome, yeah. I mean, it was kind of what we—that was our business plan—was completely different than everybody else. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of restaurants in Rome, the Savoy included, that 
the menu was literally the same menu you'd find mm. everywhere else. They're just different takes on it. Mm. Like, so that was our business plan was, okay, we're going to be completely different. We're going to have these crazy sandwiches. and We're never going to make chicken riggies ever we're again. We're never going to make chicken riggies <laughs> ever again. Until we made a chicken riggie sandwich. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. It's called Never Say Never. Yeah, we, really? had, we had a little <laughs> we had a volume of them. Never <laughs> say never one. Never say never. Never say never. Say never. Volume staking, one was a steak and greens. greens. That's awesome. <laughs> and never say never. Volume two was the chicken riggy. Who has? All right. So this is going to be a very important question. Uh, and this is going on our clips. So get ready for this one. Who has the best chicken riggies in Rome? You can we do a top two? <laughs> <laughs> You're putting us really on the spot here. <laughs> I can tell you who I like the most, but I want to hear from the experts. I'm going to go, I'm going to give two. I will go Big J's. Mm. I was going to say Big J's. Yeah, I stole it from you. Only because <laughs> I literally, we get pizza maybe every once a week, every mm. other week, and I always order a large pizza, chicken riggies, garlic knots, and an antipasto salad. <laughs> That's... <laughs> The Big J's. I haven't been there. I'll have to check. I'll have to get oh out there and check. Big Honestly. J might be one of like the nicest people I've ever met. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He's got like the biggest heart of anyone uh, I've ever like. Especially when you see him. Yeah. He's kind of intimidating. Okay. I hope he watches this. <laughs> um, but he is literally one of the nicest people I've ever met. Okay. Before yeah. he even opened up in Rome, actually, he used to come in and grab food, and we just started chatting, kind of oh, keep nice. friends. Now and, he's so yeah. busy, he doesn't leave. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what was your second? Uh, my second, I mean, honestly, I would have said the, the Savoy if we were still, okay. that place was still. We had old. very good chicken riggies. We had yeah. very good chicken riggies. So unfortunately, the Savoy is not available, but I mean, I'd definitely go Big J's. I mean, you got to throw one out there. I did, Big J's. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I mean, my favorite in the area, not that I've had a lot of them, but the couple I've had, uh, I like Teddy's. I don't know why. I like Teddy's. I, I mean, they, they won a bunch of awards. They won a bunch of awards. They won a bunch of awards. Yeah. 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 Uh, I can tell from your all's uh, response or, you know, look after I said that I'm not even in the, they're not even in the realm of best chicken riggies. Uh, but yeah, I won't put that clip out there. Uh, but I mean, DeCastro's used to have, uh, they probably still do. I haven't had them in a while, but they had uh, decent riggies. But they also, that's what the homemade pasta. Oh, okay. Yeah. His fiance used to be the chef there too. Okay. <laughs> Little, little bias there. Little bias. <laughs> I some my favorite chicken riggies in Syracuse. I hate you know uh, is uh, the Brasserie, which is um, uh, simple restaurant in Township Five. Uh, nothing special. They have great. They do their own hand cut fries, which they do a really good job with. And so, how do you feel about hand cut fries? I think that's the way to go. Really? Yeah. See, here's my problem. I think a lot of people do hand cut fries. Uh huh. And there's a small percentage of them that actually do them right. Yes, correct. There's a process. Yeah, you have to do them well. If you don't do them well, they're the soggiest thing I've ever seen. And it's awful. Right. If you do them well, they're the best, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what bourbon (laughs) should we pop into next? Do you want to go Adirondack Kyra? You want to go King Mayhem? Just remember you said you'd drive home. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a we'll little. A we'll do <laughs> we'll do a small one, small pour. What do you think? I'm I'm, I'm curious about the Springbrook. Okay, Let's do that. Um, yeah. Uh, where to put my knife? The um, I I like. Have you ever been out to Doug's Fish Fry and Skinny Atlas? I have not. I have. Okay, you know their fries. Mm-hmm. Like I love their fries. Yeah. I don't know if they're. 
I'd imagine they're hand cut, but um, yeah, I don't know for sure. I don't know either, actually. It's like that's like your classic main French fry. I'm a huge fan of shoestring fries. Really? Yeah. Oh man, I love shoestring. <laughs> the fries. disgust. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? Because if you get them fresh, they're always crispy. Okay. Yeah. He's, and I. Yeah, that's why you're trying to convince me to put shoestring fries on the menu. Yeah, it's <laughs> not happening. No, Frank, we are. We are to make our nice, ever, wonderful potato chips. <laughs> if Frank ever takes a vacation for uh, more than two days next year. Going on a cruise. Crust will have French fries. It could go totally awful or bad, but we will have them. You don't have any fries right now? No. Oh, wow. You uh, um, What is this? Uh, so Springbrook, they're high rye. It's 116. Just staying above 100. I love it. Yeah. I usually that's gonna I, open up for a second. I usually my <laughs> <laughs> I typically purposefully what I've realized is like if I go high, which it didn't happen this morning. I don't know if it's just because that's so sweet, but typically if I start high first, no matter what time of day it is, I'm, I'm not gonna enjoy it at all. I try to go like 90 and then maybe up to a 98 or something, and then to 100, and then if I'm gonna, you know, and just even little sips, not like multiple glasses, because. I'd be fucking hammered if I did that. Um, we had some guys at the bar the other day, and um, they were younger guys, uh, mm-hmm. a few of them, and they uh, wanted to try bourbons, you know. So I come out to the bar, and um, the bartender asked me to get a little little book down. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, all right, you know. So I bring it down. <laughs> There's maybe a quarter of a bottle left, and um, I set it down, and she pours a glass for this kid. And next thing I know, uh, I look over, and I see this. <laughs> and I'm like, and then the initial, oh my god, it burns! <laughs> I'm like, did you, did you just take a little book as a shot? <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, first of all, anything you don't get that anymore. Com- anything yeah. that comes in a box, you should not take it. A shot of it. <laughs> yeah, like you sip it. Yeah, that should just be like when you turn 21. Yeah. In order for you to drink, you right. have to like sign something that makes you understand <laughs> that. The thing actually that's holding that leg up over there next to you is on the floor is a is a book of um, it's uh, the Bourbon Trail book from Louisville, okay. and so I got to uh, um, I got to go out there two years ago with Kyle, who owns Kasai Ramen, and he's opening up Tap House down here in Armory, and he bought a bo- a barrel of Knob Creek Rye, and so okay. he got to go out there and you know sample three different barrels and pick his so at the time i was doing a social media management form for the restaurant so he flew me out there with him and then his chef and i got to like i brought my camera so we got video and took photos of the whole like tour of that it was it was a really cool experience but we went to as soon as you get off the airport or you know as soon as you're you're exiting the terminal to go down to baggage claim there's a huge like bourbon focused bar in the louisville airport i forget the name of it but um Tons of local craft beer on tap and then tons of bourbons. And so they, I don't, I forget what the bourbon was. It may have been just Maker's Mark, but, um, but they had something, it was like a local craft beer and like a pour of, you know, bourbon for, I think it was like 14 bucks or something. But anyways, the waitress is she, and she's like this, like, you know, what do you want? Sort of a, you know, you know, rough around the edges (laughs) type of a woman. But, uh, and it was one in the afternoon, I think, or maybe even earlier, it may have been 11 in the morning, but anyways, she is she's pouring it. She's like, you do not shoot this. <laughs> she's like, this is a sipping bourbon. Do not shoot this bourbon. <laughs> like, yes, ma'am. Uh, and then we proceeded to go around Louisville and get hammered uh, yep. for the rest of the day and night. It's one of my bucket list things. Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. They've got some f- 
wild, really phenomenal restaurants and bars. And we were there. I don't know who you all. I'm gonna imagine it's the same distributor for your bourbon. Um, uh, oh shit, who is it? Um, what bourbon was that? Well, like so that was um, uh, Knob Creek is Southern yeah, Jim Beam Southern, yeah. So whoever I think is is his name Chris. He's like the regional northeast president of uh, for Southern. Uh, but anyways, um, I don't know if I've ever met him. So he was the one that was with us, like took us around, like he flew in and, and Pascal's, I think was there like a few days after we were, cause they, he was picking out his barrels. And, um, anyway, so he took us around that night, but it was just what he was like, we're going to go to this bar cause they make a great Manhattan. This bar makes a great old fashioned. So that was kind of cool to like, you know, be in a city where the bars are known for a specific type of drink, yeah, yeah. you know? That's something we don't get around here. At no. All. Yeah. I don't know if we, and we definitely don't have the market for it, but, uh, well, maybe we do, but probably not. <laughs> Until someone starts <laughs> doing yeah, it, we'll yeah. never know. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> do you guys ever do that when you're travel? It's like, like see a concept and like, oh, we should bring that back. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. My, f- I, uh, go ahead. I mean, there's new ideas, obviously, and we might think some of the stuff we do is brand new, but I mean, a lot of stuff is just, kind of cherry picking from things you've seen yeah. that you like and you know put your take on it yeah exactly. my favorite thing to do lately is my favorite fast food ah. um we've we've actually been doing pr- pretty good with that one my favorite fast food i've been uh taking and making like my version of it okay that's cool and it's been really fun yeah and putting like, it on the menu putting it on the menu special. specials so yeah. like the the gordita crunch Mm. We sold a ton of them, and they're it was, delicious. It was I could the go Gemma Gordita there, yeah. Crunch, which <laughs> yeah. happens to be my dog's name. Oh, really? <laughs> I have a six-pound chihuahua. Her name is Gemma Gordita. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and that's what we named the Gordita Crunch. It's got to be, I mean, not easy, because nothing in the industry is easy, but it's got to be pretty easy to like be successful with some of those swings out there, because who else in Rome is doing that style of stuff that you're doing? No one. No one, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the whole point. Like Again, that was the whole point, but... Um, it's just, we have a different mentality that we're going to do whatever we want to do. Mm. Um, I think it comes from working for my family and I love my family. I learned a lot working for my family, Yeah, but it was hard doing things that were a little edgy and that I thought would have helped. Yeah. Um, and so we just like to have fun and be edgy and do like, just come up with ideas and run with them and, you know, hmm. I just, like I said, now we can. Now we what just, we do. That's what exactly what. And we there's do gonna now. come a time when I mean, there's been a few sandwiches that we've done that just weren't that great mm-hmm. <laughs> or few, didn't few sell bombs. that well. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, I mean, I do the sandwiches that are like the one-offs that like are a lot of work mm. and it's never gonna make it on the menu. <laughs> Frank does the ones that are like we can sell a lot of them and people <laughs> love them and. <laughs> I don't know your chicken, the chicken wings. I mean, that was kind of a. Chris is a big. I'm a Chris is a snob. carnivore. Yeah. So anything meat, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. chicken wings has always been his number one thing. And then uh, he just one day decided to, you know, show me what he was going to do for his chicken wings. And hmm. uh, I tried one and I was like, I think I, even, I took a, actually I brought some home because I was leaving. I had that night off or something. I get, I remember I get home and I took a video of me eating the chicken wing <laughs> and I sent it to him and I was like, this is the best chicken wing I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and for him, just for everyone that is going to listen to this, for yeah. him to say that to me yeah. means like he actually means it yeah. because literally everything I make, he has some I might, critique. I might critique a little bit. And it's some a, of them are warranted. Of, it's in a place of love. Some of them are warranted. <laughs> yeah. But he, hmm. 
like it's our the first test that we give each other when we make something is like we let them try it mm-hmm. and we wait for that reaction. Yeah. And it's like, does he go in for another bite right away? Mm-hmm. Or does he like think about the first bite and that's when you know like okay he's thinking about how it can be better yeah but like the second bite if it's like that Mm -hmm. you you got something yeah that's why and we're probably the biggest critics of our own food like i've done things i tried to do a chicken patty one time and it was just awful. Like I took one bite and I, I kind of spit it was, out. It was, was bad. Like, this, it was so bad. Like the thing work. I was trying to follow, like that I took the idea from. Yeah. Just, it was awful. It's like my funny. Scooby-Doo sandwich I was going to It try. was like gritty. Like it, it huh. tasted like a sand chicken patty. <laughs> sand patty, yes. yes. Like it was bad. Yeah. And no one ever tried it after that because I gave up and That's threw hilarious. them all away. I feel like I'm that way with our stuff at the restaurant. Like we had, um, for a little, like, I think we've got a pretty good chicken sandwich now, but then we were in Rochester and had two different chicken sandwiches. I was like, holy shit, these are way better than anything on our menu. Um, but yeah, it is hard to like try and like figure out when to stop, you know, when to stop working on something. You know, it's like, okay, that's good enough, you know, sort of a thing. Or even, you know, one thing that I found is there's not a whole hell of a, like most things I can Google. There's not a whole hell of a lot of information out there on like, like we were having an issue with trying to get the breading to stick like glue to the chicken and there was nothing out there. And all of the tips and advice, like videos and stuff that I did see, at first it was all for like regular people. It wasn't for like restaurants. And then the things that I, all the tricks I did find, it was like, this does not work. This is a terrible idea, you know, um, like the cornstarch and all that kind of stuff. It was like, none of these ideas are working. And what I did finally figure out is, uh, um, one, so our, one of our issues was we have a five ounce chicken breast that before we were going flour, egg wash, flour, but then the chicken would shrink, but the breading would stay the same. So we were most of the time, the breading was just falling right off the chicken, but it was this huge sandwich. Um, we switched to a buttermilk brine and that pulls all the moisture, all the pump out of the chicken. And so the chicken now shrinks up. So it's a much smaller sandwich. Um, not much smaller, but it's a smaller sandwich. But now we very rarely do we have the issue of the breading falling off because of that. So. Are you pounding? Like, no, it's just, they're they're pretty thin as it is. Yeah, because yeah, they're like cut down for us already. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean they go from like a five ounce. They probably and I don't know what the weight is afterwards, but it goes from like maybe that big to like you know that big. Yeah, you know yeah. after the brine. So, uh, but yeah, there's not a whole hell of a lot of information out there on that kind of stuff. No, it's really it's just trial and error. Trial and error. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, Half of what we do is trial and error. It's like, yeah. does it work? Does it not work? Yeah. All right. So, if you could change anything about the food scene in the Utica and Rome area, let's say one thing. I'm sure you know. Maybe there's more, but if there's one thing you could change about it, what would it be? Hmm. I guess me. I'd like, I guess I'm going back to the progressive stuff, but I I would like to see more progressive places pop up. And I mean, there is some, but um, there's the good classic places, but, and I mean, my, my father's an immigrant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love Italian food. I really do. Um, There's some progressive Italian places, um, like Nostro or things like that. But, um, but I would like to see other stuff, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that'd be my thing. Yeah. Mine would be that I would like to see a place like um, Red Chili. Mm, really? I love like dumplings, noodles, yeah. everything like that. Yeah. And 
we don't have a place that I know of. I could right. be wrong. Yeah. But we don't have a place that's like hand making their dumplings and right. like you can't even get a ramen unless you go out to New Hartford. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Yeah, that's wild. Again, New Hartford, Utica, it's like a fifteen minute drive. Like yeah. there's parts of Syracuse <laughs> yeah, that take you a half hour to get to. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. not like right. a big difference, but I would love a place to come closer. Yeah. It's like really good dumplings and yeah or yeah. if there is one let me know yeah hmm. well i want to talk to you guys off the air uh before <laughs> so before you gotta go and so uh everybody is listening uh get out to rome check out crust uh it's in the griffiths business park and uh you can go on our instagram account and see the videos that we posted uh great bourbon selection amazing food and yeah go check them out yeah thanks for having yeah, us yeah thanks for having thanks, us thanks guys there it is everybody thank you so much for listening to the local new york podcast i hope you enjoyed this conversation i want to have frank and chris back on again because sometimes when i have guys like this in the podcast it's a lot of fun for me to sit there and kind of talk shop with them but i want to sit down and like have a deeper interview with them to get a little bit more in depth on their uh, perspective and world of food and um yeah anyways I loved having them on. I cannot stress enough. You've got to get out to Rome, New York and check out Crust. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, please do so whatever platform you're listening to this on. That way you'll get updated the moment a new episode is released. You can always visit us online at eatlocalnewyork.com where you can find the new episodes every week along with the video version of them or pick up an Eat Local New York card. And if you're a restaurant listening to the podcast and you want to join the Eat Local New York card, it's absolutely free. You can head over to our website at eatlocalnewyork.com to get more information and fill out the form to join the card. And I think that's it. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast, everybody. Make sure you give Brown Carbonic a call, our podcast sponsor. We're going to catch you back here next week for a brand new episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. <laughs>